Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to episode number 1094. It is Christmas Day. If you're listening, it's the day it is uploaded. Right next to me is... Hi there, I am your host, Patrick Riley. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride one with you. That's what we're doing here. We're singing just like that. Are we, Kimmy? <laughs> yeah, that's what we're doing here on the Riley and Gibby Show. Welcome to the Riley and Kimmy Show, the place that offers pop culture escapism every single day. That's right, a brand new show, a brand new talk show, talk variety show. It's what we offer. Be sure to tell your friends about us if you've just discovered the Riley and Kimmy Show. And by the way, check out our website for archived episodes. All 1,093 others before this one are available right there for your listening pleasure. Also, video interviews, videos, and... Oh, let's see, pictures and links and things like that. Also links to our social media, uh, you know, sources. And, you know, be sure to friend, follow, and like us, and we will friend and follow and like you back. What is our web address, Kimmy? RileyandKimmy.com. That is it. Now, just because it's a holiday, Kimmy, it does not mean we take a break from having fun and escapism and having any form of uh, maybe nerd and pop culture trivia. That's right. That's right. Now, here's what we have on the line for you, Kimmy. A very nice Christmas dinner is online for you. Mm. If you get this right, you get a very nice Christmas dinner. If you get more of them right than wrong, and if you get more of them wrong than right, you get that nice can of generic spam that says turkey on it. Great. Because, you know, that's the only turkey you're going to get, okay? So you got to pull through here. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. And I, I tell you what, this is going to be a fun one. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, here we go with Nerd and Pop Culture Trivia on a Sunday, December 25th. <laughs> Are you are you ready, Kimmy? I'm ready. Have you had have you had any eggnog yet? No. Okay, so <laughs> you, you, your your faculties are all here with us. Maybe I need some. I don't. Now wait a second. We do not condone that here on the Riley and Kimmy show. Okay. Uh, you, so you are all right. I'm all right. You're functioning quite well. Yeah. All right. Here we here we go, Kimmy. Very first one is from the history part. I know you love history. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So let's see if you paid attention. Up in the tundra where you went to school in, you know, in that igloo. Okay, let's see if you remember this one. So on this date, Kimmy, 1776 is a year. This general and his troops crossed the Delaware River for a surprise attack against the Hessians in Trenton, New Jersey. Can you tell me the name of that American general? George Washington. You did that. See, you're on the, you're on the positive side there. That Christmas dinner could be coming to you. It, it, it could. Okay. It was 1896. John Philip Sousa titled the melody Stars and Stripes Forever. He had trouble naming it and then decided on Christmas Day what to call it. Okay. It was 1950. Dick Tracy marries Tess Trueheart. Your question, Kimmy. Dick Tracy is primarily known appearing in what? Comic strips. I will accept that. Newspaper comic strips. We would have even given you a little bit of leeway with old-time radio shows as well, too. Okay. But really, comic strips is it. See, you... Boy, you got two there. Can you believe that? Mm-hmm. 
are you ready to move over to the music section, the place that you're really strong in? And second is uh, sports that you're, mm -hmm. I think you're strength, but are you ready for music? Uh -huh. Next one, 1959. Richard Starkey, age 18, who would later be known as something, receives a drum set for Christmas. Tell me what his name would be in a few years. Ringo. Ringo. Ringo Starr. <laughs> That's right, Ringo Starr. And what group would he play for? The Beatles. That's correct. 1959, he gets a drum set. Now think if they had given him something else. Mm. What would have happened? So on this date in 1998, seven days into their journey, Richard Branson, Steve Fawcett, and Per Lindstrand of Sweden gave up their attempt to make their final nonstop round-the-world balloon flight. They ditched near Hawaii. You might remember... Many years ago up in the tundra where you're from, Kimmy Steve Fawcett uh, decided to launch a balloon from your area. One time he tried that solo. Mm -hmm. One time from there. You remember that? The big yes. launch? Yeah, okay. Moving over to notable birthdays on this date, Kimmy. Sir Isaac Newton, born on this date, 1642. Tell me something Sir Isaac Newton is known for. Um, Discovering gravity? Eh, we'll accept Explaining that. Explaining gravity? I, I, was, I, was, I thought she was going to say the apple hitting him on top of the head i thought you were going to i actually i was going to take that because it is christmas we would accept that today that, mm -hmm. that, that is that is good but at least you kind of knew who sir isaac newton is that, that's good born in 1642 conrad hilton born 1887 kimmy he is the founder of something that we still see today in many cities across the world especially tourist cities, too. Can you tell me what he is known for? Hotels. That's correct. He created the Hilton Hotel chain and has a certain relative to this day roaming around getting into paparazzi and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Robert Ripley, born on this day, 1893, known for creating what, Kimmy? Ripley's Believe It or Not. Yeah, that's right. Ripley's Believe It or Not. And I think we talked on a previous episode of the Riley and Kimmy show, you've never been to the Ripley's Believe it or not, museum, and I we are still we, haven't been. We're going to rectify that in 2017. We're going. Okay. So whoever, any one of our friends, would like to go on that adventure, let us know. Mm -hmm. That could be kind of weird. I have a feeling. Yes. Yeah. Make sure you can tolerate me. That's all I, I have. You know, Kimmy. Everybody gets along with Kimmy. Just make sure you can tolerate me, right? Mm -hmm. He was born in 1899. Kimmy died at the age of 57 in 1957. Tell me who he is. I'll give you just a few of the movies he starred in. He is a Hollywood icon. He starred in The Maltese Falcon, Casablanca, The African Queen. Can you tell me who he is? Humphrey Bogart. That's correct. Now tell me who his actress young wife was. Um... I don't know. Lauren Bacall. Oh. Was Mrs. They were actually married. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Oops. That's all right. You still, and that was a bonus one. You're still on the positive side. You got, you got that, that dinner coming. I think that can of spam is going to be fed to the fur kids. I have a feeling it's going to be theirs. Okay. I, I have that feeling. Unless, you know, we only have a few more here to go. Unless you actually do something strange here. And miss, like, I'm all doing, the rest. I'm doing better than yesterday. I Well, if you want to find out just how bad she did, check uh. out episode 1093, and you will be able to find out. And judge for yourself on that, because it's kind of fun. I barely knew your name yeah. yesterday. I, you were drinking eggnog yesterday, weren't you? No, <laughs> I should have been. Was it was it like a special kind of fruit cake or something made? You know? I don't know, something clogged up my brain. Okay, so you're unclogged now. 
I think so. All right. Next one should be quite easy for you, Kimmy. He created and hosted the Twilight Zone and hosted another show in the 1970s that was sort of a weak version of the Twilight Zone. Tell me who he is. Rod Serling. And tell me the name of that other show. Night Gallery. That's correct. How old was Rod Serling when he died within five years? He was born on this date. I think he was young. He was like in his 50s. You are correct. Do you have a, a number there? 55. That's within the five. He was 50 years old when he passed away. My mentor, who we will not mention, one of my mentors, uh, interviewed him three weeks before he passed. Mm. Or maybe two. I'm not sure. It was either two or three. I'm trying to get that mentor on. We could not get him on by the end of 2016. We're trying to get him on for 2017 to be talking about some of this stuff and maybe play like that classic interview that he had right before he died. Because he does discuss, because keep in mind, it's 1975 when he passes away and Night Gallery is, you know, it's it's still something known. I mean, it, it had just been part of NBC Network and he's not exactly happy with the Night Gallery mm. and discusses it. So that could be kind of fun. Yeah. Something to look forward to. You got Ripley's Believe It or Not or and my mentor. Mm -hmm. Wow. Oh. Uh, and by the way, it's no secret. Kimmy does not like this mentor at all, do you? No. Okay. See, at least at least you're honest, right? With it. You, mm -hmm. you don't like him. That's and you're you know, take a number because I tell you what, you'll be standing in line for a long time before you get to tell him that. Uh yeah. This person, Kimmy, I'll identify who he is. You tell me the character he played. And tell me how old he is. It's Gary Sandy. He's an American actor who starred on WKRP in Cincinnati. Tell me the name of the character he played. Andy. That's correct. The program director, Andy Travis, is who he played and what he is known for. Can you tell me how old he is within five years? 65. Ooh, you almost got it. You, it squeaked past you there. He's 71 today. Wow. 71 and still active. Um, if you like Andy, the character, you like Gary Sandy, you can find his website, and he has a Facebook page, and he does make appearances. And he seems quite uh, socially active, social media-wise. Hmm. That's Gary Sandy, 71 today. Moving over to another Christmas birthday person. Can you imagine having a birthday on Christmas? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I guess nobody forget. Right. But you kind of get gypped with presents, right? Oh, yeah. That's oh, a, yeah. Yeah. My I'm, mom had a birthday two days after Christmas. And, and she probably got gypped. She got gypped. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a month away, you at least got a chance to get something. Because mm -hmm. people feel bad if they wait a month. <laughs> yeah. I wonder where the buffer is where you start getting in trouble. Like, two weeks out, maybe? Yeah. Wow. I don't know. Definitely, you know, that that Christmas Eve to New Year's Eve corridor, I'd say you're kind of in... Mm. Wow. Not, not, not good timing, right? Mm-hmm. That's when you change your birthday. <laughs> you say, it's June. <laughs> I'm, I'm celebrating in June or July, you know, Christmas in July. I'm uh -huh. my, my birthday's now July 25th. <laughs> Just move it. Mm -hmm. All right, this person having a birthday. See if you can identify who this birthday person is from the world of music. His hit songs include Margaritaville, which is ranked 234th on the Recording Industry Association of America's list of songs of the century, number 234. He also had a big hit of Come Monday, and his fans are known as... Something. That'll be another question for you, Kimmy. Tell me who he is. Jimmy Buffett. That's correct. And what are his fans called, his diehard fans? Parrot heads. <laughs> That's right. Parrot heads. And how old is Mr. Buffett today within five years? 70. Exactly right. He is 70. 
And if you ever want a fun read, check out his autobiography, A Pirate at 50. I wonder if he'll have a new one, A Pirate at 70. Mm. It is actually a very, uh, it is a fun, fun book. Okay. That is Jimmy Buffett. This musician I think you are familiar with, I guarantee you don't have a, well, I'm just going to ask, do you have any Jimmy in your uh, vinyl? No, I don't. Okay, this next one I I guarantee you don't have. But you do know this person probably because of exposure on certain television programs and some radio stations back in the day did play her material. Barbara Mandrell having a birthday today. How old is Barbara Mandrell within 10 years, Kimmy? 76. Wow. She's 68 today. I had to see if you got it within the... You made me do some math there real quick. Okay. Yeah, she is 68 today. Do you remember her? And I think she had her sisters on TV, too, at one time. Wasn't it the Mandrell sisters? Uh-huh. Did you watch that show? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Wasn't it the time period, like, uh, you know, uh, Solid Gold was on and things like that? Yeah. I, I don't... I never watched it. I don't remember it at all. This actress having a birthday. See if you can identify who she is and how old she is today. Another birthday Christmas person. She played the title character... In the Brian De Palma horror film, Carrie. Who is she? Sissy Spacek. That's correct. How old is Sissy today? 63. You got it within the five perimeter. She is 67 today. She was the lead singer of the Rhythmics. Tell me who she is and how old she is. Annie Lennox. That's correct. 59? Within five. She's 62. Okay. So you got it. Way to go. That is Annie Lennox. What color was her hair on the cover of the 45 for Sweet Dreams Are Made of These? Red. I'll accept that or orange. I would accept either one. And see, I couldn't couldn't even get a fast one into you there. See, you're, you, you're firing today. Mm-hmm. You want the slower version of Kimmy? Check out the previous episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show. What was happening to you? I don't know. Well, it looks like we're possibly going to have to give you a Christmas dinner here, Kimmy. So let's let's wrap up the almanac with a couple more things here. We got to move to another section of the almanac, even though it is Christmas. I see dead people. It is celebrity and notable deaths. It was on this date, Kimmy. Within I'm well, I'm going to play fair. Within 50 years, give me within 50 years. W. C. Fields dies on this date in history. 50 years, buffer. 1950. He Very close. 1946, he passed away at the age of 66. Within 50 years, another icon passes away on this date in history. Tell me, the year Charles Chaplin, Charlie Chaplin passes away. He dies at the age of 88. 1948. You're within the time frame. 1977, he passed away. Oh, wow. This one. We're going to cut it down a little bit. 20 years. Probably one of your favorite baseball managers of all time. Matter of fact, I think he influenced you and your behavior. We occasionally see you act just like he did. Kicking dirt on umpires. We see you do that all the time when the Riley and Kimmy shows out and about. You act just like Billy Martin. Billy Martin passed away on this date. Within 20 years, what year did Billy Martin pass? 1990? Missed it by one. 1989, he passed away at the age of 61. And the final one, Kimmy. Tell me how old he was when he passed. I'll give you the year. You give us a 10-year range of when he passed. And by the way, I just heard something 
somebody growl, somebody's stomach growl in the Riley and Kimmy Show studio. I doubt the microphones picked that up. Now, let me look behind me. Okay, there is a fur kid behind me. The question is, was it the fur kid's stomach growling or was it yours because of the Christmas dinner you're thinking about? It was me. All right, Kimmy, we will we, we will see if you have that dinner coming. Give me 10 years for this person. Matter of fact, I'll even be more fair. 15 years. Tell me how old he was when he passed away. Singer Dean Martin passed away on this date in 1995. How old was he when he passed? 82. You got it within the time frame, little perimeters we have there. He was 78 years old when he passed. Kimmy, you have a Christmas dinner coming. Is there anything you'd like to put on the, the order there for your Christmas dinner? Um, I don't know. Pie. Okay, we will. Pumpkin pie or do you want apple pie? Pumpkin. All right. Do you want that, that stuff that comes cool out? Whip? I was going to give them a product name. Do you want that or do you want yeah. the generic version? Whatever. Okay. That that will take care we'll take care of that. And do you want me to surprise you by making something else? Sure. Or, or do you want to put an order in here real quick? No, you surprise me. All right, I will. Because I do cook quite well, don't you I? You do. Yes, I do. And the kids are gonna get some uh some microwaved uh, you know, generic turkey spam. Okay. They're gonna like that. Mm-hmm. Who knows what I'm gonna make for you. Right now as a Christmas gift to everybody who listens to the Riley and Kimmy show. And by the way, thank you for making us part of your Christmas. We have something here that is safe for the entire family to listen to on this Christmas or anytime. Something that is uh, Christmas-oriented. Quite a matter of fact, quite a few things that are. We're going to go back in time to the golden age of radio. Radio was new. Radio. Someone still loved you. And that's O'Reilly and Kimmy show. On this Christmas, I thought we'd focus on some Christmas old-time radio shows. As a matter of fact, I have one which most people wouldn't think had anything that was Christmas-oriented, and that is the one of the best, I mean the best, examples of the golden age of radio you can have, and that is the show Suspense. We have three Christmas episodes selected. First one stars Raymond Burr, Kimmy, and you don't have to worry about your dinner. Tell me one of the roles Raymond Burr is famous for on television. Ironside. Can you tell me the first one he was famous for that he played? Ironside's correct. Mm-hmm. He played somebody else that was kind of law-oriented. Perry Mason. <laughs> That's right. Perry Mason. And he was in the Godzilla American version of the Godzilla movie in 1956. Raymond Burr, fantastic actor. And he, this is just a beautiful performance. It's from 1958 called Out for Christmas, followed by Twas the Night Before Christmas, suspense version starring Miss Greer Garson from 1953, and then Back for Christmas from 1956. These are uninterrupted. Please forgive the audio quality of these. They were recorded, well, with technology that is nothing like today, and it was not, they were not meant to last. They, it's just, it's surprising that they have survived the course of time. As we go back in time to the 1950s, as we roll things back, with a golden age of radio, kicking it off with Raymond Burr, out for Christmas on the Riley and Kimmy Show. I hadn't figured on being out for Christmas, but my prison record paid off. Takes a lot of good behavior to knock time off and an armed robbery and assault rap, but I was a good boy, model prisoner. Took everything they threw at me with a... Exactly with a smile. I don't smile much. I took it without griping, so I'm out for Christmas. 
And Christmas is as good a time as any for what I gotta do. The town of cruddy. We got phony tin Christmas trees and the lampposts along the main drag and colored lights all over the joint. And Christmas carols screeching at you from loudspeakers everywhere. Even the saloons got red and green streamers all over the place and the bar mirrors all frosted, black snow. A big bowl of slop called Tom and Jerry they're pushing. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, what'll it be? A little Christmas cheer? A hot Tom and Jerry, maybe? Ain't you got any whiskey? Oh, sure. We got whiskey. Give me a straight shot. Okay. Can't you get anything on that jute box but them Christmas carols? Don't you like carols? No, they stink. <laughs> you won't think so after you get a couple of belts under your belt. Do you think so? Sure, it's Christmas, man. Yeah, so I heard. <laughs> that tastes good. Real good. Say, you look sort of familiar. Uh, don't I know you from someplace? I was wondering how long it'd take. Yeah, the voice is familiar and your eyes sort of... Joe, Joe Watson. Joe, I heard you was going to get out soon. Charlie Jones told me. But I didn't know you'd be out for Christmas. Yeah, they got big-hearted. Say, you put on a little weight. Yeah, that's why I didn't recognize you. 30 pounds, prison child. But you look real good, Joe, real good. Yeah. Hey, where is Charlie. You been in tonight? Mm, not yet, but he'll be around probably. Gotta see him. You know where he's living at? Yeah, he's got a room over on 4th Street. Room? I figured he'd be living in a flop house. Oh, not Charlie. He's doing okay since he got out. Got a steady job. How about you, Joe? You got a job lined up? Yeah, I got a job lined up. A uh, good job? It'll be good. As good as I can make it. minute shopping really got you down? Are you dashing and prancing all over the town? You bought a lot of presents and you still have lots to go? Well, go, 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 get a Scripto. You don't have to know a size. You don't worry about the fit. A new Scripto pen or pencil always makes a hit for mom or dad or sister, Aunt Jane or Uncle Joe. Go, 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 get a Scripto. Go, 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 get a Scripto. Get a Scripto. Here's the easy, convenient way to finish all your Christmas shopping in a matter of minutes with Scripto pens and pencils, available at stores everywhere. All Scriptos, costing a dollar or more, are handsomely gift-boxed. See the famous Scripto satellite. The satellite outwrites any other pen you've ever used. Costs only $1.95. Enjoy one-stop gift shopping. Go, 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 get a Scripto. Give a Scripto. Scripto. And now, starring Mr. Raymond Burr, Act Two of Out for Christmas. They even had this room in the house where Charlie was staying, loused up for Christmas. There was a moth-eaten poinsettia wreath in the door and red and green lights in the landlady's window. Charlie's room was on the fourth floor at the back. Oh, so they let you out for Christmas. Yeah. Well, come on in. <laughs> Gee, it's good to see you, Joe. <laughs> good to see you, Charlie. Say, what the... What you got there? 
Oh, that's an electric train. Just a minute, I'll turn it off. Electric train? What for? Oh, my sister's kid. That's all he talks about for Christmas. An electric train. <laughs> so I got him one at a discount at the place where I work, but I wanted to see if it works okay. You know how it is. Yeah. So what's the idea of the Christmas tree? Well, uh, living by myself and all, I thought I'd have my, my own tree. It's just a little one. You lost your marbles? Well, it's Christmas, Joe. <laughs> Guys in cell block four ought to see you now playing with electric trains into your own Christmas tree. And I bet they'd like to be doing the same thing. Not me. Did you check up on Malloy like I asked you to? Yeah. Yes, he's still on the police force. Good. You got a gun? No, no. I, I don't have no use for guns anymore. Know where I can get one? Well, sure, I guess I could locate one. Well, I told you to. In my last letter, I told you. Get a gun for me, I said. But I know, Joe, but look, pal, I thought that... Well, I hope maybe you'd change your mind. Charlie, from the day he testified against me, I swore I'd get him. His testimony did it, you know. That's what convicted me. He sent me up. He had to testify the way he did. He didn't have to be so convincing. But, Joe, what good will it do? You'll only get the chair. Uh, I'm not afraid of the chair. I've seen enough of life. It stinks. I ain't in love with it. I'd just as soon leave it so long as I take that rat with me. But it ain't only him, Joe. What do you mean? He's married now. You kidding? What kind of a dizzy broad would want him? You ain't gonna like this, Joe. Ain't gonna like what? The dizzy broad that married him is Lucille. Lucille. My Lucille. That's right. I'm sorry, Joe. Funny. It's real funny. She wrote me. She she couldn't wait for me no longer. You remember when I got the letter. I remember. But she didn't say who it was. She never answered my letters after that. Oh, that lousy double cross. Well, you went up for 10 to 20, Joe. Yeah. Yeah, I guess she never counted on me making it an eight and time off for good behavior. But eight years is a long time for a young girl to wait, Joe. Mike Malloy's a fine guy to throw me over for. Well, makes it dandy. Double dandy. It'll be a pleasure to kill them both. Oh, how can you talk that way, Joe? It's Christmas. Christmas is for people who don't know no better. Kids and idiots. Oh, Joe, listen to me now. Forget all about Malloy and Lucille. You got a chance to make a new life for yourself. Like I'm doing. I can get you a job where I'm working. I'm sure I can. What are you doing? I'm Santa Claus in the toy department at Brighton's department store. Ain't no future in that. You're going to be out of work day after tomorrow. No, I'm not. They promised to keep me on. Doing what? Minding the reindeer? Well, Mr. Brighton believes in giving guys like us a chance. Now, that's why I'm sure that you can get a job there. You come down tomorrow and talk to him. I'll talk to him after Christmas. Hey, good. Oh, say. How about coming over to my sister's house for Christmas dinner day after tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah, I might even do that. Good. You see, Joe, there ain't no sense in carrying around hatred in your heart, especially at Christmas time. So let Malloy and Lucille have their Christmas in peace. Mm, they'll have their Christmas, all right. Their last Christmas. But then it'll be your last one, too. Uh-huh. I just got to figure different. Never mind the gun. I'll get my own gun tomorrow. But there is one thing I want from you. What's that, Joe? Tomorrow night, I want to borrow your Santa Claus suit.
day I did my Christmas shopping for a gun. That night I wrapped Charlie's Santa Claus suit into a bundle, took a bus out to the subdivision where Malloy and Lucille had a house. I ducked into an alley behind the supermarket and pulled on the red suit, whiskers and all. It was going to be so easy I had to laugh. You couldn't want a better disguise on Christmas Eve for murder. I didn't have any trouble finding the house, a little box of a house like all the others in the street and decorated with colored lights like all the others. Nobody saw me, even if they had. Who has a better right than Santa Claus to be on the streets Christmas Eve? A gun felt cold in my pocket as I closed my fist around it and pushed the bell. Even it was wired for Christmas. Yes? Merry Christmas. Why, it's Santa Claus. Aren't you going to ask me in? Well, my husband isn't home yet. That's all right. I'll come in and wait for him. I don't understand. You don't believe in Santa Claus anymore, Lucille? You ought to... Who are you? Don't you recognize my voice? You... You sound like... Joe. Oh, no. Good old Joe. He was going to wait for me. No matter how long it took. Joe, I thought you were... In the cooler for keeps, Uh uh-uh. I told you I'd come back for you. Here I am. Well, you're too late, Joe. Yeah, so I hear. How come you didn't wait, Lucille? I... I fell in love. With the guy who sent me to prison... Well, no good cop. He didn't send you to prison, Joe. You were guilty. I'd have beat the rap if he hadn't testified the way he, he did. He had to testify that way. He was only telling the truth. Yeah, so you could get me out of the way and steal my girl. Joe, you've got things all twisted. It all happened afterwards. I only met him at your trial. We fell in love afterwards. When I couldn't protect myself. Oh, Joe, I'm sorry. It just happened. You're telling me. Where is the fuzz? Who? The copper, your old man. He's still on duty. Working overtime to put the arm on some stiff on Christmas Eve? When will he be home? I, I expect him any time now. Good. I'm going to be glad to see him. Why, when you hate him so? Well, you see, I... I promised him something. Didn't he ever tell you? No. I promised to kill him when I got out. Joe. Tonight's the night, see? Well, you mean it. You, you've got a gun. Sure, I got a gun. And I'm going to use it. On both of you. Both of us? You both double-crossed me. I could kill you first, but... I think I'll wait till your old man comes home. Ought to be interesting to see how he acts. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if he tried to make a deal with me. A deal? Yeah, like shoot my wife but let me go free. What a terrible thing to say. You see what kind of a creep you married. Joe, do it then. But do it because I ask you. Kill me and let him go. Ah, I come to get you both. And I'm going to get you both. Together. And how about some music while we're waiting? Turn on the radio. I... Go on, turn it on. He... He made you happy, Lucy? Yeah, Joe. Very. You made him happy? 
I hope so. That's nice. Because tonight you're both going to make me happy. By becoming very dead. It's too loud. What's that? Little Lucy, the radio woke her. You got kids? Yeah. Where are you going? I had to look in on her and quiet Don't try nothing funny. I'll be right behind you. Oh, there now, honey. There, there. It's all right. Mommy just turned the radio on too loud. Excuse me, Mommy. Mommy! Look behind you. It's Santa Claus. Yes, dear. Santa Claus. Oh, Mikey! Mikey, wake up! Mikey, look. It's Santa Claus. Santa Claus? Time to jam the gun back into my pocket before those two kids were wide awake and all over me, grabbing at my red suit, pulling at my phony whiskers, pushing me into a chair. Did you bring me a present, Santa Claus? Did you? Oh, you ain't your Santa. Sit down, Mike. You don't want to sit on his lap. Oh, get rid of these kids. Well, I... Well, what did you do with the reindeers? What did you do with the reindeers? Well, they're, they're parked outside, Mikey, uh, on the roof. Did you come down the chimney? Oh, yeah, sure. Why aren't you closer? Didn't the fire burn you? Well, no, you see, it's an asbestos suit. Now, hmm? listen, you, you kids ought to go back to bed. Oh, no, Santa, please, we want our presents. I want to see the reindeers. Well, see, you've got to get them off me. They're so excited, Joe. They've never entertained Santa Claus before. I ain't no Santa Claus. To them you are. Yeah. Santa Claus? Well, what, what? I want to kiss you. Me too, me too. Darn. All right, you kids. Now, 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 listen to me. Yes, Santa Claus, I'm listening. Me too. You've got to go back to bed now. Well, I want my presents. Me too. You'll, you'll get your presents in the morning when you wake up. There, they'll be under the tree. You promise? I promise. Now, now you run off to bed. Now, can't I? I got to get going. Now, you, you wouldn't want the other boys and girls to miss their presents because I... I've been goofing off with you, would you? Oh, no, that wouldn't be fair. All right, then. Off the bed you go. All right. Come on, Mikey. Merry Christmas, Santa Claus. Me, too. Yeah. Merry Christmas, kids. And, um, good night. Good night. Come on, Mikey. Oh, Joe. They'll never forget that. Merry Christmas, honey. I'm sorry I'm late. Hey, what's this? It's Joe Watson, Mike. Joe Watson? What the devil are you doing here? He came to kill us. What? Take it easy, Mike. Here's my gun. You... You changed your mind? Uh-uh. Your kids changed my mind. They thought he was really Santa Claus, darling. They, they were so excited. Well, Mike, you you can send me up again. Better to go back for a parole violation, I guess, than for murder. Well, uh, wait a minute. Uh, we got to have a complaining witness. 
You want to make a complaint, Lucille? No, Mike. I want to thank Joe for giving the kids the best Christmas of their lives. Well, I haven't any complaint then. Merry Christmas, Joe. I still say Christmas is for people who don't know no better. Like kids and idiots. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Suspense. In which Raymond Burr starred in Out for Christmas. Written, produced, and directed by William N. Robeson. Supporting Raymond Burr in Out for Christmas were Joan Banks, Lillian Bayef, Charles Seal, Carl Swenson, Howard McNear, and Dick Beals. And now, twas the night before Christmas, hoping once again to keep you in suspense. Come on, wake up. <laughs> wake up, Kathy. It's the day before Christmas. Oh, and there's so much... Miss Buff, it's light out already. You said you were going to wake me really early today so we could go to the airport and meet them. Come on, up you get. Let's get you dressed. Buffy, they're going to be waiting for me and you didn't wake me. I know what, they're home already. Kathy. Mommy! Daddy, where are you? Daddy! Mommy! Buffy, they're not in their bedroom. Where are they? Cassie. I know. I'll bet they're in the kitchen already having their coffee. Mom! Miss Buff, they're not home. I know, honey. The clock in the kitchen said 8.30. Kathy, here, put this on, dear. You told me you wanted to wear this dress today. So that's why I ironed it for you. Miss Buff. Yes, dear? Why aren't they here? Oh, they'll be here. But when I talked to Mommy on the telephone yesterday, she said she would be here at 6 this morning. And I promised her I'd meet her at the airport, her and Daddy. I know, I know. And Daddy said he had a surprise he was bringing for me all the way from Paris. It's 8.30, Buffy. Let's go out to the airport now. Oh, but there's so many things to do. First, you've got to get your breakfast, and we have to finish decorating the tree. And, uh, oh, there's so many things I want you to help oh, me with. Oh, everything can wait, Buffy. Hurry, I promised to meet them. Uh, no, dear. Why not, Buff? Well, I think we'll, we'll wait for them here. Kathy? Yes? You remember what you promised your mommy and dad? That you'd do everything I asked you while they were away? Yes. Then, uh, we'll wait for them here, hmm? All right, Buffy. Yes. It's noon, Buffy. I know. Don't you 
Don't you think they might have called and told us they'd be late? Oh, I'll go and make our lunch. You must be very hungry. No, I'm not. Oh, you didn't eat your breakfast, Kathy. Miss Buff, I'm not hungry. Look. Oh, look, it's snowing, honey. We'll have a nice warm lunch, and then we'll go out for a long walk. Hmm? They should have called. i tell you what, Kathy. We'll take our walk first. We'll see the shops. We'll visit. We'll go and see Johnny and your aunt and uncle. Maybe if it snows hard enough, we can all build a snowman. Wouldn't you like that? Yes, that would be fun. <laughs> well, go get your coat and hat and galoshes, dear. All right. And when, when we come back, Mommy and Daddy will be home. Well, you go and get your things now. Oh, I'll get it. I'll get it, Buffy. Mommy. Oh, who's this, Daddy? You sound... All from a newspaper. I see. It's a man, Buff. He says he wants to talk to an older person. Here. Hello? Yes, this is the Harper residence. I'm the housekeeper. I... Uh, well, just a moment, please. Uh, Kathy. Who is it? Someone wants to talk to me, honey. Will you go get your things? No. Who are you talking to, Buff? Never mind, dear. Go and get your things. No. No, I won't. Hello? Uh, I, I see. Yes. Yes, I saw the papers. Uh, yes, yes, that was the daughter. Yes, the only child. No, she doesn't. No. No, no, I wish you wouldn't. Please, don't hear. No. Who was it? Oh, it was just a man, honey. He was from the newspapers. Why? What did he want? Nothing. He asked about me, didn't he? Why? Honestly, honey, it was nothing. It was about Mommy and Daddy. Oh, it wasn't anything important. Well... Yes, dear? I don't know. Look at that snow coming down, Kathy. Hmm. Get your things, dear. Go on. They sing beautifully, Kathy. Very lovely. The street and all the decorations and the singers. It's very lovely, Miss Buff. Honey, here, give this to the man. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Missy. Let's go home now. In a little while, don't you remember? We were going visiting, too. Mommy and Daddy are probably home right now, waiting for me, wondering where I am. And we'll build a snowman together, like I said. Come on, honey. I remember when I was a little girl how excited I'd get. Oh, all the wonderful things to see, the sights and the smells and, and the sounds. Pretty shop windows and the snow. To be a little girl at Christmas time. To be young at Christmas time. And happy and... What's the matter, Buffy? Oh, Kathy. Buffy. Let me hold you. Oh, Kathy, darling. Buffy, you're crying. I'm just silly, I guess. I look, there's Santa Claus watching us. Let's say hello to him. You were crying. Hello, Santa. Merry Christmas. 
Oh, Merry Christmas, little girl. Merry Christmas. Well, you're a pretty little girl. What's your name? Kathy. Oh, that's a nice name for a nice little girl like you. Thank you. And I can tell you've been a good little girl. I saw the way your mommy was holding you. She's Miss Buff. My mommy's away. Daddy, too. We're taking a walk to make them come home. Oh, and where are they? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Kathy, Kathy, come in, darling. And Miss Buff. How are you? Come in, come in. Mother, Mother, guess who's here? Why, Kathy and Miss Buff. Hello, Aunt Lee. Hello, Mrs. Cleveland. Take your things off. We've got a big fire in the living room. And wait till you see our Christmas tree, Kathy. I'm sure it's very beautiful. I'll bet Kathy came to see her cousin Johnny, didn't she? Yes, I did, Uncle Ted. I would like to see him very much. Uh, do you know what that boy of mine did, Miss Buff? No. He found the train. Oh, he did? After I took so much trouble to hide them out in the garage, he found them. So, of course, I had to set them up for him. Well, it's the day before Christmas. He's uh, in his room now, Kathy. Yes, I would like to play with the train. Of course you would. Johnny! I can't come out, Daddy. I'm busy. Kathy's here. Hey, come on up and play with my trains, Kathy. You ought to see. I got them all hitched up now. Go on, Kathy. All right. I've been on the phone since seven this morning, Miss Buff, and there just isn't any word at all about the plane. Look, look, look. A man from the newspaper called the house. I told him to stay away. Does the child know? (laughs) I, I think she does. What did you tell her? Nothing. How do you tell a child, Mrs. Cleveland? Look at it go! What I can't understand is why no word at all. The plane took off from Paris on time, and there was radio contact over Ireland, from what I could find out. But since then, nothing. You'd better tell her, John. Tell me what? Well, there was a storm over the ocean. Pretty bad storm. They said... Miss Buff. Yes, darling? I've just figured out something. It's about Mommy and Daddy. Kathy. They're not coming home. They're not ever coming home. Autolite is bringing you Miss Greer Garson with Anne Whitfield as Kathy in Twas the Night Before Christmas. Tonight's production in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense.
Oh, it's going to be good to get inside of the house, Kathy. Oh, look at you. You look almost like the snowman you and Johnny built. Here, let me brush you off a bit before we go inside. There's a man there. What'd you say, darling? Right there, standing by the door. A man. Hello. Good evening, miss. Hello, little girl. Is this your house? Yes, I live here. Who are you? What do you want? Well, then you'd be the Harper's little girl, wouldn't you? Yes. I asked you, who are you? Now, don't worry about it, ma'am. I just want to take a picture of the little girl. Do you want your picture taken, little girl? Bobby. You're the reporter I talked to this morning, aren't you? And uh, we'll want one of you, too, ma'am. Here, get in the house, Kathy. Don't stand there, dear. Get in the house. I'll be in in a moment. It's Christmas Eve, Mr. Reporter. Did you know that? Oh, now, look, ma'am. I've it's got Christmas to... Eve. Where is your heart? Oh, look, you've got to understand. I talked to you on the phone. It was almost ten hours ago, before noon. It's nighttime already. There still isn't any word about the plane. I represent a newspaper, ma'am. We've got to assume... Well, you know, I don't want to say it any more than you do. Oh, just go away. Oh, now, really, I've got to... Were you, were you ever lonely on Christmas Eve? Alone in a house that's empty? While outside, other people were singing... When there was warmth and love and joy, but outside... I'm just trying to... Christmas Eve, the snow is falling. Christmas Eve, and the child is... is grieving. Yeah, I'm sorry. Good night. Kathy... I'm in the living room, Buffy. I I just had a wonderful thought. Yes? Let's have a secret. What, Buffy? Let's not wait till tomorrow. What do you mean? We go to our tree and open some of our presents now. Maybe just one. Hmm? We'll choose the one with the most beautiful wrapping. You can open it and you can play with it now while I go and fix something for you to eat. I'm not hungry, Buff. Honestly, I'm not. Oh, just some milk and cookies, honey. You haven't eaten some... All right. Well... Well, let's choose. Go ahead, pick one. All right. That one. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's from Mr. and Mrs. Anderson next door. Open it. You open it, Buffy. Very well. Oh, look. Very nice. A carousel. Well, I wind it for you. And we'll put it down here. Now... You watch it. When it runs down, you can wind it up again. I'm going into the kitchen. Kathy, here's your... Kathy. Kathy, honey, where are you? Kathy? Your milk and cookies are on the table. Kathy? Are you in your room, Kathy? Kathy? Kathy, honey? Kathy?
Why, Miss Bell. <laughs> Mr. Anderson, is Kathy here? Well, I know. Who is... Uh... Uh, would you mind asking Mrs. Anderson if Kathy's here? Maybe she came in through the back way. Well, Mrs. Anderson and I have been sitting in the living room for the last hour. Well, what's the matter, Miss Buff? Kathy ran out of the house. Oh, poor child. I can imagine how she must well, feel. I thought she might have come over here next door. She just ran out of the house. I don't know where she is. Oh, a child like that. And what's happened to her today? Now, wait. I'll get my coat, Miss Buff. I'll come with you. Paul, listen. Hi, Mr. Anderson. Want a ride? You go all the way down the hill for three blocks. They've got it roped off. Uh, Paul, have you seen Kathy? Sure. Well, where is she? I don't know. Where is she, Paul? Where did she go? How am I supposed to know where she went? But you saw her, didn't you? Sure. She was running down the block. I yelled at her to come on over, but she kept running. Uh, which way, Paul? Down there, I guess. Where the stores are. Uh, thank you. Sure. Merry Christmas, Mr. Anderson. Merry Christmas, Miss Buff. Hey, what? She hasn't been in my store, Miss Buff, and I, I'm the only one on the block who's open. Last-minute Christmas rush, you know. Thank you, Mr. Ruxton. Say, now, that kid and what happened to that plane today, I'd sure let the police know she was missing. I think he's right, Miss Buff. Call them, please. Call them. Oh, uh, use this phone, Mr. Anderson. Thank you. Uh, hello, operator. Uh, give me the police. Uh, oh, hello, police. I want to report a little girl who's missing. Uh-huh. Kathy Harper. Well, she's got blonde hair and blue eyes. And... Oh, wait a second. I'll find out. Just go in the house, Miss Buff. I'm sure they'll find her. It's ten o'clock. They've been looking for three hours. Oh, they have ways. They'll find her. We waited in that station house. All the policemen who phoned in. None of them. Well, you just go in the house. Now, I'll send Mrs. Anderson over. No, no, really. I'd, I'd rather you wouldn't. Well. Good night, Mr. Anderson, and thank you. Patrolman Reed, ma'am. Have you found Kathy? Yes, ma'am. Where is she? You better come with me, ma'am.
Yes, she is, ma'am. In the second pew. Christmas Eve. Church should have been the first place we should have looked for that kid. The night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring. Not even the mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama and her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled down for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Way to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw open the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave a luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wondering eyes should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer with a little old driver. So lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles, his courses they came. And he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen. On Comet, on Cupid, on Donder and Blitzen, to the tops of the porch, to the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. Bobby! Oh, Mommy! Merry Christmas, Kathy! Kathy, baby! Oh. Christmas, we don't cry on Christmas. I thought, oh, baby, baby. Hey, how about a big hug for me? Oh, Daddy. Ah, that's my girl. Where's Miss Buff? I was in bed. She was reading to me. In bed's the place for you. Come on, I'll carry you. Buff, 
I know, darling, I know. Hello, Buffy. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Buff. We had to make an emergency landing in Newfoundland. Small field communications were shot. That storm... Yes, yes. Let's not talk about it anymore now. Buffy was reading me a wonderful thing about the night before Christmas. Here. I'll put you in bed, Kathy. There you are. Read it to us, Buffy. Hmm? To all of us. Oh, well, I um, lost my place. I... Read it, Buffy. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the housetop, the courses they flew with a sleigh full of toys. And St. Nicholas, too. And then in a twinkle, I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney, St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back and looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled. His dimples, how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke, it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word that went straight to his work and filled all the stockings and turned with a jerk and laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle and away they all flew like the down on a thistle. But I heard him exclaim as he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all and to all a good night. Ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard Miss Greer Garson in a dramatization of Twas the Night Before Christmas. Suspense is transcribed and directed by Elliot Lewis, with music composed by Lucian Morrowick and conducted by Lud Gluskin. Chorus was under the direction of Roger Wagner. Twas the Night Before Christmas was written for Suspense by Morton Fine and David Friedkin. In tonight's story, Anne Whitfield was heard as Kathy. Featured in the cast were Harry Bartell, Irene Tedrow, Mary Lansing, Charles Calvert... Howard McNear, Herb Butterfield, Johnny McGovern, Sidney Miller, Joseph Kearns, and John Ramsey Hill. Happy, Mrs. Carpenter? Deliriously, Professor Carpenter. Well, then how about another glass of champagne? Nothing goes better with a happy bride than a glass of bubbly. Nothing? How about a happy husband? That you have. To us. To us. Forever. Darling. Oh, Herbert. I'm afraid it's all a dream, and 
I wake up any minute to find myself back in that drab little bookshop in Leicester Street, searching for obscure volumes for absent-minded professors. Oh, so that's what you thought of me. Oh, not you, Herbert. You were different. I felt it the first time you came into the place. Premonition, second sight. You knew at that minute, I suppose, that I would whisk you off to America and make you my wife. Well, not exactly, but I'm awfully glad you did. Do you think you like America? I love it. I thought perhaps after this lecture tour is over, I might try to find a connection at some college or other and just stay on. What would you say to that? I say, wherever you are is where I want to be. Uh, now, who in the world... Who is it? Bellboy, sir. Just a minute. Yes, what is it? A letter, sir, for Mrs. Carpenter. For Mrs.? Here, let me have it. Here. Thank you, sir. A letter for Mrs. Carpenter? Herbert, you were a widower, weren't you? I mean, Hermione isn't still alive. What? Well, heavens, no. But that letter. No one back in England knows that I'm married. Uh, let's forget it, shall we? And have another glass of wine. I've often wondered what she was like. Who? Hermione. You never told me anything about her. I'd just as soon forget her, but she's not an easy woman to forget. Dominating. Always managing things, the house, my wardrobe, my friends. You might say she managed herself to death. Yes, Hermione. What on earth are you doing down here in the cellar? Putting the finishing touches on this wine bin. Have you taken leave of your senses? Yes, I dare say you have. Look at you, the epitome of the absent-minded professor. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Well, I would. Whatever would become of you if I weren't here to look after you? I wonder. And well, you might. Have you any idea what today is? Why, Tuesday, I believe. Indeed. And what is going to happen today? Well, according to your plans, we are flying to America on the nine o'clock plane. Precisely. And the good knows are coming in for tea in half an hour. And here you are digging a hole in the cellar. It is not a hole. It's a wine bin. Well, it looks more like a grave to me. Yes, Hermione. Upstairs with you now and get into some clean things. Yes, Hermione. I've already dismissed the cook. You'll have to get the tea things ready while I'm taking my bath. Yes, Hermione. Oh, dear, such a bother to go to. Closing up the house and all, and then, then having to open it again when we get back for Christmas. Back for Christmas, back for Christmas. Must you keep saying that? Well, why not? We are coming back for Christmas, aren't we? Well, supposing I were offered a position in an American university. I hope not. Well, they did ask me to come to lecture. That means something. Well, not very much. Americans will pay to hear any foreigner deliver a lecture once. But there's no use building dream castles, Herbert. Nobody's going to offer you a fortune in America. Of course, the extra money you will get will be very handy when we arrive back for back Christmas. Back for Christmas, yes. Precisely. And it's no good you're making a joke of it. Oh, but heaven knows where you'd be today if I hadn't got a sense of time. Yes, Hermione. Now get a move on. And be sure to straighten up the sitting room and get the tea things out. The second best, the good knows, will understand. Yes, Hermione. Now I'm going up to have my bath now. Call me when they arrive. Yes, Hermione. 
Yes, Hermione. Yes, Hermione. Twenty years of it. Twenty years of Hermione being right. Twenty years of personal management. Down to the smallest detail of which necktie to wear and how many minutes one's eggs should be cooked. Twenty years of slow strangulation. Which would only have ended in dull death. If it had not been for Marion. At least Marion was one detail that Hermione could not manage. Could not even imagine. The mousy proprietor of a bookstore, proper, ever so intellectual, with her heavy, horn-ridden spectacles. And the absent-minded professor. But such things do happen sometimes, as they did that afternoon last summer. Good afternoon. Oh, good afternoon. Is Miss Markham about? <laughs> well, I... Oh, bless, bless me. Is it you, Miss Markham? Yes, Professor Carpenter. Would I say I didn't recognize you without your glasses? Why, I thought you couldn't see a thing without them. I can't. But you're not wearing them. Oh, yes, I am. Contact lenses. Well, I must say. Must say what, Professor? Oh, I, I never realized what, what lovely eyes you have. Thank you, Professor. And that frock, it is so becoming. Well, once I decided to get rid of the horn-rimmed glasses, it wasn't too difficult to get out of tweeds. It's a delightful transformation, from cocoon to butterfly. Yes, butterflies are not nearly as lonely as cocoons. You're lonely? I'm completely alone since my father died. Did you never think of marrying? My father was a very remarkable man... I never found anyone who could measure up to him, so... Uh, what a pity. How long have you been alone, Professor? Alone? Well, I knew you were a widower, of course, the first time I saw you. A widower? Oh, I can always tell. It was the same with my father. There's a certain sadness in a man's eyes. A sweet sadness, I think, when he's been married and then... A widower? I never thought of it quite that way. Oh, I have your books. B books? Yes, the ones you ordered last week. That's what you came by for, wasn't it? Yes, I suppose it is. I'd quite forgotten. The Phytotomy of Phalloid Gamophytites and Coniferous Shrubs of North America. Uh, those are the ones you ordered, aren't they? Yeah, yes, thank you. You're, you're very kind, Miss Markham. Why kind, Professor Carpenter? Well, not many young ladies in bookshops who go out of their way to look up rare books for an old professor of botany. <laughs> Why, you're not old, Professor Carpenter. Really, you look... Besides, I adore botany. It's my particular hobby. Oh, really? You never told me that before, Miss Markham. I was afraid to. You always intimidated me. You seemed so preoccupied. Yes, I suppose I did. Well, you might be interested in some specimens of alpine polyanthes that were just sent to me by a friend in Switzerland. Switzerland? Oh, I used to go there always for my holidays before the war. You like Switzerland? Oh, every part of it. The lakes, the mountains, the beautiful spring flowers, especially the flowers. It seems that we have quite a lot in common, Miss Markham. I'm sorry we haven't put before. I am too. But perhaps we can make up for it in the future. Indeed we shall. <laughs> So had it begun, and one thing led to another, as they will with two lonely people. 
The invitation to lecture in America made a happy ending possible. While Hermione proceeded with her plans for the trip, I made my own plans, quite different plans. Now they were all but complete. Everything was proceeding according to schedule, my schedule. Even Hermione, drawing her bath upstairs, gave me the opportunity to phone Marion. Hello? Hello, dear. Darling. Are you all packed? Almost. Not much time left. I know. Excited? Breathless. Heathrow Aerodrome, half past eight. I'll be there. I love you, Marion. And are you, Herbert? Herbert? I'm sorry I've got to ring off now, darling. I'll see you at the aerodrome. Tonight and forever, darling. Goodbye for a little. Goodbye. Just now? Yes, Hermione. Well, whoever was it? Hmm? Freddie. Freddie Sinclair. Didn't I hear you say something about seeing somebody at the aerodrome? Uh, why, uh, yes. I, I, old uh, old Freddie said he might possibly get out to see us off tonight. Well, that seems very peculiar. But then all of your friends are peculiar. Yes, Hermione. I thought I told you to change your clothes before the guests arrived. Yes, Hermione. Never mind, never mind. Somebody just drove up. Don't let them in. Yes, Hermione. Herbert! Yes, Hermione. Look out the window. There's Professor and Mrs. Goodnow. But who's that with them? Why, it's... Precisely. Freddy Sinclair. <laughs> Peculiar you should have been talking to him on the phone just now, when here he is coming up the walk. Yes, isn't it? But then, as you say, Hermione... All of my friends are peculiar. Not half so peculiar as you. Digging in the cellar an hour before we leave for America. Just look at yourself. Yes, Hermione. So go and let them in. Yes, Hermione. Open the door and stop saying yes, Hermione. I think, my dear, I've said it for the last time. <laughs> Christmas. Hermione was so positive we would be back for Christmas. That afternoon, pouring tea for a few friends who had come in to say last-minute farewells, she kept reiterating it. Now, mind you, Hermione, don't let those Americans lure your husband with one of their fat university jobs. We absolutely must have you with us for Christmas. Oh, we will be back, I promise you. Oh, it's not absolutely certain, of course. Herbert, what do you mean it's not certain? Of course it's certain. After all, Herbert Elvoy, you've contracted to lecture for only two months. Quite right, Freddie, but then, of course, anything may happen. <laughs> Herbert adores being unpredictable. Now, what other man would decide today, the very day, mind you, before leaving for America, to dig a great hole in the floor in the cellar? In the cellar? For a wine bin. He's been talking about putting a wine bin in the cellar for the last two months, but he never got around to working on it until the last few days. A wine bin? Whatever for? It's the only way to store wines, you know, in the cellar. Even temperature, all that sort of thing. Indeed. In that damp, they'll all turn. A proper wine bin should be made of concrete. Mine will serve its purpose, I believe. Oh, there you are, my dear. Men. 
They're impractical little boys at heart, all of them. Oh, I don't know, Hermione. Indeed they are. But not all of them are fortunate enough to have as practical a wife as you, Hermione. Oh, not really. Oh, yes, my dear. I know I could never have done what you've done. I'd just go to pieces. Imagine, Freddy, all the things one has to do before such a journey, and Hermione's done them all, all by herself. Oh, yes, Hermione is quite remarkable. Someone had to do them, and Herbert's no help. He's a lucky man to have you, my dear. You realize that, don't you, Herbert? Oh, indeed I do. You have no idea how well I realize it. <laughs> uh, well, we really must be going. So soon? Oh, yes. I'm sure even you have at least a few last-minute things you must attend to. But don't forget, you'll be back, back for Christmas, if <laughs> you may count on it. <laughs> bon voyage, then, my dear Hermione. Goodbye, dear. Goodbye, Hermione. Oh, not yet, Freddy. We'll make our farewells at the aerodrome. At the aerodrome? Why, yes. Herbert said you phoned to say you'd see us off at Heathrow. I phoned? Yes. Just a few minutes before you arrived. But I couldn't have. I, I've been out for a drive all the afternoon. Oh, come, come, Freddy. You may as well own up. <laughs> I'll say, look here, old chap. I don't know what you're trying to... You see? You see? Herbert can't even lie well. He's red as a beetroot. <laughs> Aren't you ashamed of yourself, Herbert, stringing poor Hermione along like that? Well, I suppose the game is up. I, It, uh, it wasn't Freddy I was talking to, Hermione. Well, I don't see how it could have been. No, I was, uh, well, well, it was about a little surprise I was planning for you. How sweet. And I have a surprise for you, too, Herbert, when I bring you back for Christmas. <laughs> I thought they'd never leave. Oh, we'll still have plenty of time. Well, not if we're to leave the house in proper condition for our return. Now, Herbert, after you get that dust cloth over the Davenport, you can help me with the tea things in the scullery. No. Oh, no, no, not that way. Herbert, you're leaving wrinkles. Well, who's to see it, my dear? Well, I can see it, and I don't like it that way. Yes, sir. Very well. How's this? A little better. Now, now, let's get at the tea things. There's a dear. Oh, Herbert. Yes? What was all this nonsense about a surprise for me? Oh, well, if I told you, then it wouldn't be a surprise, would it? Oh, come now, Herbert. We're too old to play children's games. What is it? Well, if you'll come down to the cellar, I'll give it to you. In the cellar? Why in the cellar? Because that's where it is. Oh, really, Herbert, you don't make any sense. Now, help me with the tea things. But you will come down to the cellar. Well, later, Herbert, if this time. Time. There had to be time. But Hermione was meticulous. And each cup had to be washed and dried just so, and put away in the cupboard in its accustomed place just so. And the silver had to be carefully wiped and put away in his plush-lined box just so. And then, once more, all the dust covers had to be straightened and the windows checked to be sure they were locked. And the time was running short. <sighs> no, I think that's everything. Everything but your surprise. Will you come down to the cellar now? Oh, can't you bring it up here? Oh, no, no, that would be quite impossible. Oh, it's so dusty down there and I... I'm all dressed for the trip. I know, but it'll only take a minute and you'll find it quite worthwhile, I'm sure. Oh, 
very well. She went ahead down the cellar stairs. As we reached the bottom, I silently lifted a small crowbar from a nail in the wall. She stood in the middle of the cellar, peering around in the ill-lit gloom. Well, I don't see anything but that little you've dug. That's it? It's in there. Where? Look closer. Step closer to it. Right to the edge. Really, Herbert. <laughs> now do you see it? A little large for a wine bin. But just right for a grave. Back for Christmas? No, Hermione. No, Hermione. I'll never be back. You've planned it so well, Hermione. You're so predictable, so practical. Even to typing your letters and signing them with a neat cryptic H that I have learned to copy. I'll be your amanuensis. I'll write your friends for you, Hermione. Through me, you will tell them we won't be back for Christmas. And then you will tell them how much you like America and that you persuaded me to accept a teaching position. You will tell them that you may decide to settle there permanently. And then the letters will come less and less frequently until at last they will hear from me and I will break the news to them that you have died in America. Then I will have my solicitors put this empty house with its sad associations up for sale and that will be the end of the matter, Hermione. Back for Christmas? No, Hermione. No, no, no. No. No, no. Not now. Go away, whoever you are, go away. Did I leave the front door unlocked? No, no. I say, Herbert. Just keep calm, keep quiet. They won't look down here in the cellar. Keep calm, they'll go away. that it was easy. Put the finishing touches to the wine bin. Dress fast, get out of the house before 6.30. Take the tube to Waterloo Air Terminal and the airline's bus to Heathrow, all according to plan, Hermione's plan. But from here on, my plan. Announcing the arrival of BOAC Flight 14 from Rome, Calcutta, and Melbourne. Passengers will please report to customers. Darling. Oh, Herbert. Right on time, my dear. Shall we check in? Whatever you say. Scared? I never felt safer in my life. The no smoking sign just went out. Careful of cigarette, darling. Yes, thanks. Ever been on a plane before? No, you? My first time, too. Oh, how nice. 
to enjoy a first experience together. I was worried. About what? Well, you having been married once, nothing would be new to you. My darling, it will be new. All of it. Is everything all right? Uh, yes, thank you. Would you care for a pillow, Mrs. Carpenter? Were, were you speaking to me? Yes, Mrs. Carpenter. Would you care for a pillow? Uh, no, no thanks. I don't believe so. Well, if you want anything, just ring the bell over your seat. Thank you. Herbert? Yes, dear? He called me Mrs. Carpenter. That's right. But I'm not yet. Well, you will be tomorrow, this time. But how does she know? Well, that's the way our tickets read, Mr. and Mrs. Carpenter. Why? I wanted you to get used to being Mrs. Carpenter, straight off. Oh, Herbert, you're a dear. You think of everything. Can I help you, sir? Oh, yes, please. Professor and Mrs. Carpenter, we have reservations, I believe. Oh, yes. We've been expecting you, sir. Uh, boy, uh, take Professor and Mrs. Carpenter's luggage up to this suite. You know, uh, frankly, Mrs. Carpenter, you're quite a surprise. Your uh, letter reserving the rooms was so thorough, I was expecting an older, more forbidding sort of person. My letter reserving the rooms? Oh, I... I wrote the letter, my dear, and I... I signed it, Mrs. Herbert Carpenter, just as a joke. Oh, what a cunning old fox you are, Herbert. <laughs> Now that I think of it, I am, Robin. Well, Mrs. Carpenter, we might as well kill the bottle, as they say here in America. Darling, you'll make me tipsy. That's what a bride should be, just a little tipsy. <laughs> Herbert, this letter the bellboy just brought... It seems to be a bill of some sort from mm. a building contractor in Kensington. Oh, some mistake, no doubt. And addressed to me? Well, give it here and we'll get to the bottom of the matter. Hmm. Madam, this is to acknowledge your order together with the keys to your house in Ronston Place. Our men had no difficulty in finding the place where your husband had begun the excavation in the cellar. But apparently he changed his mind at the last moment and filled it in again. What is it, Herbert? Our men will begin digging tomorrow. And you may rest assured that it'll be a professional concrete line job. And will be completed in ample time for your surprise Christmas present to your husband. We are happy to be conspirators with you in this thoughtful gesture. And hope that Professor Carpenter will be pleased with our construction of his wine bin. Very truly yours, Paul Holt and Sons Contractors. What does it mean, Herbert? It means that Hermione was right. I will be back for Christmas. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy show. We feature old time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website 
at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy Show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com.